Thanks, bro. Well, good morning. You may or may not know, but we have an interns program here at Oceanside Church. First time we tried it in 2016 for the whole year, we have three guinea pigs, I mean willing volunteers. <laughs> Stephanie, come in. Stand up. Uh, Stephanie is back in the back here. Shaylin, are you here or with the kids today? Shaylin, she's away okay, and David's in the back in the booth. The thing about interns is they're always doing something, so they're not sitting around. But those are our three interns, and you may have saw them. We were teaching them to baptize each other after the last baptism. So we're doing kind of pastoral leadership things with them. Last week, I took them to a funeral home because I want them to be able to understand as a shepherd, as an elder, as a pastor, how you lead people through that time of grieving. And we got the whole tour. I mean, the downstairs part, you know. I'm going, David's asking all these questions. I've just got to get out of here. But I was looking at the caskets, and one thing I realized about a casket is there's not much room in there. There's no safe for your valuables, you know. There's no mini bar. There's no ox port for your cell phone. I was just reminded, we go out of this world the same way we come into this world, with nothing. I think it's a good thing to go to a funeral home maybe once a year and just remind ourselves of that. Because honestly, life gets pretty crazy. It's September. I mean, you know, everybody says the year starts in January. Well, in our lives, and if you have any children, in the life of a church, it starts in September. And there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of crazy stuff happening. And I found myself in that juxtaposition between a super busy fall in September and going to the funeral home, asking myself this, what's really important? All this stuff I'm doing, all this stuff I'm involved in, what's really important, Lord? There's a great scripture that talks about that in the book of 1 Corinthians. And I invite you to turn there. If you have a Bible this morning, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I'll start reading in verse 10. 1 Corinthians 3, 10 to 17. Context of this uh, scripture that we're looking at this morning is Paul's addressing some issues, some problems in a new church. Um, one of the problems they were having was they were starting to divide into subgroups as a church. And they were focusing around individual leaders, apostolic people that had come through the church. Much like what Mike is doing this weekend in Ontario, that's how these churches were started uh, in the first century. And Paul started the church, but other leaders, a man named Apollos came and was very helpful. But people were starting to kind of gather around these people, a little bit of a kind of a hero worship thing, and there were divisions in the church. And Paul was writing to clarify that. And this is what he says in 3.10. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building on it. Let each one take care how he builds on it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you? 
If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. So Paul talks about this idea of being a master builder. By the grace of God, something that God had given him, he said, I want you to know, as I look back and in the starting of this church, the church at Corinth, which Paul helped to found, he said it was based on a foundation of Jesus Christ. And you know a master builder, the first thing they think about in a project is the foundation. We don't often think about foundations as people who just drive around and own houses, but we know that if the foundation is wrong in a house, it will definitely start to show up with cracks and doors that don't close and roofs that leak. Foundations are very, very critical in, a, in, in any building. And Paul says, as a master builder, I laid the foundation for the church. You look in verse 10, he says, By the grace of God given me, I laid a foundation and someone else is building on it. Let each one take care how he builds on it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Interesting, Russ in the prayer time this morning referred to the cornerstone of Scripture of Jesus Christ being the cornerstone. This church, Oceanside Church, was founded on Jesus Christ 16, 18 years ago. It's the, it's the cornerstone. Everything else centers around Jesus Christ. And Paul says that's how we have to be able to build. We've got to start in a place that gives us a solid base and something to build on. Jesus talked about the same concept a couple different places in the Gospels, but I'll just read Matthew 7. Just listen if you like. Uh, Matthew 7, verse 24. Speaking about this idea of foundations, Jesus said this, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house in the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Foundations are critical. And today we want to talk about just the reminder in the bits of the craziness what is our foundation? As believers, our foundation is Jesus Christ. That's the starting point of everything that we're going to build in our lives. Every, every piece of energy, every moment, every resource we expend, we're building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. It's not just true for churches, which is the context here, but he talks about each one. Be careful about that foundation. So there's one eternal foundation, Jesus Christ. But then Paul, in 1 Corinthians 3, goes on to talk about three different kinds of builders. Given the foundation, he talks about three kinds of builders. And the first kind he talks about, I would call a wise builder. You see that in 12. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones. I don't think he's talking about building a house out of gemstones, but the picture is things that are, that are very expensive, hard to get, things that take time and last, gold, silver, and precious stones. That's what a wise builder builds on this foundation. A little bit farther down in verse 14, you see the result of that kind of work. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. We'll talk about the testing that comes to our building, but a wise builder builds with costly costly and precious things, and you know that a well-built house takes longer to build than a shoddy house. It takes time. So Paul says there's wise builders. In the context of a local church, he's talking about how are we building on this foundation, a question that as elders we're regularly asking, and I hope you're praying for our church, what are we building together as a community? 
but also individually it's true in our lives, what are we building on the foundation of Jesus Christ? Are we being wise builders? Are we building with things that will last? But he also talks about a second kind of a builder. I'd just call him a foolish builder. We see that in the last half of verse 12. He says you can also build with wood, hay, and straw. Now, these are things that are much more easily obtained. They go up quicker, uh, but they don't last nearly as long, particularly hay and straw. You think about mud homes or mud roofs requiring constant attention. Even a wood home molds and mildews and gets eaten by insects. These are things that don't last. This is an unwise builder. And what happens to a person who's built with unwise materials or built in an unwise way? Look at verse 15. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. So we get this idea of what we build with matters because it's going to be tested over time. See, we can build with the right foundation, but we can put the wrong stuff on top of it. And that's what I think this second kind of builder is doing. Yes, it's clear. They're building on Jesus Christ. It says when the testing comes, even though everything gets burned up, they themselves will be saved. They've built on Jesus Christ. But all their life's work, all the stuff they've put on that foundation is going to be gone because they built unwisely. Right foundation, wrong materials. The first three kinds of materials don't burn. I tried to figure out flammable and inflammable. Have you ever looked that up on the... It's very confusing. Which one is which? I was going to be really cool and say, one material is inflammable, but I don't understand which is which. Some of the stuff burns and some doesn't burn, okay? The wise builder builds with the stuff that doesn't burn. And the foolish builder builds with the stuff that does burn. Now, why is this burning important? We're going to see it in a moment. But there's a third type of builder, and we see this in verse 16 and 17. You've got a wise builder, an unwise builder, or a foolish builder. And this third group I would call a malicious builder. Um, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. By the way, some parts of the Christian family say this verse has to do with suicide, I don't buy it. The you here is plural in the original language. He's not speaking about one person taking their life. He's talking about us together, you plural. You are the building of God. And beware for anybody who attempts to tear down God's building. That's what you're talking about, a malicious builder. I call this person a church wrecker. I don't need to spend much time on this because we're not dealing with it right now as a congregation by the grace of God. We've dealt with this in the past over the years. You know, we've come in and run into people that have tried to kind of dismantle what God is building here and graciously, lovingly, sometimes firmly, as a leader in the church, you have to deal with that. But there is a malicious builder. They're not even really a builder. They're kind of a deconstruction company, you know. Uh, They just want to take stuff apart and ruin stuff. And Paul is warning in the context here, he says, be careful because this disunity that's being sown in the church, this is going to wreck the church. But what's more sobering about this passage is if anyone destroys God's temple, us together, the church body, God will destroy him for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. This is what's amazing. God protects his bride. (laughs) You know that we're called the bride of Christ? Those of us that are saved, that know Jesus Christ as our Savior, he is the groom in the end in the book of Revelation. When it all comes down, there's going to be a wedding and we are the bride. Now, I don't know what your experience has been, but, you know, as an engaged man, do not mess with my bride. Even now, 30-plus years later, you touch her, you're going through me, okay? You will protect your bride with your life. 
That's the way it is with Jesus Christ. And it's a very sober warning that Paul's giving, saying, be careful, do not be a malicious builder in relation to God's bride, because he notices and, he, and you'll pay. Now, I don't think that's really an issue for us now, but it's in the Scripture, and I want you to know about it. But I want us to focus on these first two kinds of builder, the wise builder and the foolish builder. Why is this so important? Well, here's why I think it's so important. The trick is we don't really know what kind of builder we have until later. One of the biblical commentators I wrote, read this week said, the work of builders is not always evaluated correctly in their own times. Think about the earthquakes in Italy that happened just recently. You know, all those beautiful verandas and arches and patios hanging over the cliffs and colors and all the stucco and the beauty of Italy, right? And you would go there and think, wow, what amazing, look how, look how these buildings have stood for hundreds of years and look at the culture and the beauty of this. What was revealed in the earthquake for a lot of those cities? What was revealed was a lot of that construction was subpar construction. They even talk about mob connections in there, no rebar, cutting corners on concrete and design. What happened? The thing that was unseen brought those buildings down because you don't really know how those buildings were built until the shaking comes. And that's really true of our life. It's the reality of life. We can build and build and build, and you can look at your next-door neighbor and think, man, they got everything together, and a storm will come, like Jesus talked about in Matthew, or a difficulty will come, and the whole thing will come crumbling down. This beautiful edifice that they had created will come crumbling down. Paul's saying, we don't really know what we've built together or individually with our lives until the shaking comes. Now, if you look back at that verse in verse 13, it says, each one's work will be manifest for the day will disclose it. If you notice in your Bible, day is capital D. What is, why, why capitalize the D? Because the Bible talks about the day, which is the end times day when Jesus comes back and settles accounts and God brings judgment on the world and, and settles all the accounts. That's the day, the biblical day. We see that just even in 1 Corinthians 4.5, just across the page. 4.5 says this. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes. Meaning, you think it looks one way, but don't make a clear distinction because you don't know yet. The Lord, who will bring light to things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart... Then each one will receive his commendation from God. So see, the amazing thing about God and the kingdom of God, it's a very long-run concept. And we don't really know what's being built until the day, until that end time comes. Because God is a God who brings accountability to our lives. I know this is not a popular word. We all like to think, I do whatever I want, I'm a free agent. But God is a God of accountability. He gives us things. You think about the story of the talents. And he knows that those things are made to be multiplied and used in his kingdom for his purposes. Revelation 11, or Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. Again, good to visit the funeral home once a year. Probably good to read Revelation 20 once a year or more often. Because it's kind of, how does it turn out? You know, Some of you read books and you read the last chapter before you read it. I can't stand doing that, but... At some point, you've got to know how this thing turns out. Well, here's how it turns out. Revelation 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, and the presence, earth, and sky fled, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. 
Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up its dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were with them. And they were judged, each of them, according to what they had done. I do believe that all of us are included in this. This kind of judgment, this reckoning for everything we've done, will be the same for Christians and non-Christians. We'll all be evaluated for every word we've said. It's very sobering. Every thought we've had, you talk about scary, you know, playing that tape before for the Heavenly Father. He knows these things. We're all going to be judged, but here's the difference. I'll go on 14. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of the fire. This is the second death of the lake of fire. So if you don't have Jesus, your works are evaluated, and we already know how they turn out because the Scripture says ahead of time, all our righteousness is like filthy rags before God. So you thought you were doing good, but apart from Jesus, you don't have a hope. And then if anyone's name was not found in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So I do believe from Scripture that it's clear that even as believers, God is going to evaluate our work the way we've built. I mean, it's not a message that's very popular, but I believe it's in the Word of God. And God doesn't test us to go to trip us up. Remember that teacher in school that you hated that, you know, taught one thing and made a test to make sure that everybody failed because it made them feel smarter? You know, that's a lousy teacher. What's a good teacher do? Prepares a test that lets you grow and know the things you've learned and helps you still see the things you have to learn. God is a, he's that second teacher. He's the one who prepares testing for us, for us to grow, for an affirmation of what's truly, really real. God tests these things, and the scripture talks about fire. What has it done? And that's an illustration we see all through the book of Revelation, that God purifies the end of the world, the end of all of history, ends in fire, and fire is something that cleanses and purges things. And you see what's left over after fire. Remember the Fort Mac stuff? Beautiful big houses. What's left? The, the metal rims on the tire. Well, that's the one thing the fire couldn't destroy. But that's what the Word of God says, that all of our works are going to be tested. So it matters how we live our lives. Even as Christians, it matters how we live. Our, we can be on the foundation of Jesus Christ, and we can build foolishly. And yes, we'll come to heaven, but all the stuff we thought was so important will get burned away, and Jesus will say, you know, I'm really glad you're here. I wish I could celebrate more what you've done with your life, but come in based on your relationship with me. How much better to have that testing and have, have Jesus say, like Paul was looking forward to, well done, my good and faithful servant. You built counterculturally. You built into lives. You built things that mattered, that made a difference for eternity. Come into heaven with rejoicing, with reward. That's what God is wanting us to see. He wants us to succeed in that. But we've got to be careful about what we're building. We've got to be careful in the craziness and the busyness of life to keep an eternal perspective on what is taking place in our lives because our lives can look one way, but in reality, they can be something that really doesn't end up to be much when it comes time for the casket. So God matters. It matters what we build. So just two questions kind of as we close this part of the service today. The first is, what is your foundation? Super critical question. You need to know and get that settled where you stand with Jesus Christ. Uh, and it's so wonderfully amazing. It's an amazing gift. We can't earn it. We can't work for our salvation. We receive Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus and you want to get that settled, I'd love to talk to you. People that are up front, whoever brought you probably knows about this. And we want to be able to get that settled. We've got to build on the foundation. It's Jesus Christ. So what's your foundation? Have that settled. Know that you're building on a good foundation. Because if you're building on any other foundation, Paul says there really isn't any other foundation other than Jesus. Because it all is going to come crumbling down. 
But more critical than that question, probably for most of us, is this. We've got that first question settled, but here's the one that gets me and I've been thinking about since the funeral home. What are you building? What am I building? With my life, with my energy, with the, the time I have during the day, what is going to matter for eternity? What are you building? Will it stand the test of time? And I started thinking about, you know, my life and my retirement plan and my changing the oil in the car and starting school and all this stuff. And started to ask myself, Lord, all this stuff that's happening in September, even the religious activity that I'm involved in, the things that I'm doing, Lord, how much of that actually will stand for eternity? How much of that stuff will actually pass through the fire and have a value after the day, capital D, is over? Do you know the only thing I could come up with? Things that have to do with people. Things that have to do with helping and bringing people into and through into the kingdom of God. I can't see anything else. You know, I felt around the edge of the casket. (laughs) You don't get to bring anything there with you, right? But I know that people are eternal and souls are eternal and they matter. This is why we're working so hard on this Alpha thing. It's, to tell you the truth, it's a ton of work. We had 17 volunteers that have been training for a month and a half for tonight. But you know what? It matters because those are people coming through the door. Our prayer is some of them who don't know Jesus yet tonight. And as a church, things that we're doing. But we want to be able to encourage each other to build for things that matter for eternity. Spend your life building on things that matter. Yeah, we got to have houses. we got to have cars. I know we got to change the oil and floss our teeth. I get all that, okay? But remind ourselves, what are the things that are truly eternal in our life? Those are the things that will matter. I don't know if you've ever been to a non-Christian funeral and then short succession been to a Christian funeral. What a difference between those two. I've had to officiate at both of those back-to-back. Such a difference because we have a hope in Jesus Christ. But as believers, we also need to ask, what is that we're building? And are we building into lives and things that matter? Because really, everything else will pass away. I'm going to spend the last few minutes of the service today talking about just some practical stuff, opportunities to be involved. I can't tell you what to do or where to go, but they're just options. But to ask yourself with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to pray for us right now. Lord, what am I building? And what might I need to be involved in to change that structure of what I'm building? So I invite you just to pray. Um, We're not done, but if you want to stand and just stretch for a minute, let's pray. Let's stand together. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come now. Lord, I just, even in this brief moment, will you give us a perspective from your perspective on what it is each one of us are building? Holy Spirit, how does my life look to you right now? Not in condemnation. The Lord doesn't speak in condemnation. If you're hearing that, that's not His voice. But Lord, what is it that I'm building? Bring an affirmation of the things that I'm building, Lord, so I know what matters. And Lord, help me if there's adjustments required in the way I'm building. Lord, give me the grace to make those adjustments. Lord, we thank You that You're a good God. Such a great song this morning. You're a good good Father, Lord. You test us, but you test us to show the value of what you've done in our lives. And you test us with the expectation that we're going to come through with an A+. Because you give us those resources and you love us in that, Lord. So I just pray, in the bits of of September, Lord, in the bits of the craziness, Lord, just gently remind us, gently remind us, Lord, about what matters and what it is we're building. And thank you, Jesus. Amen.